And so this morning, we're speaking about joy. Let's start in the narrative, Luke 2. And we're going to jump into this real quickly. So you can turn to Luke 2, then we'll make our way back to John 16. I'm going to step over here for just a second. I uh, got a scratchy throat. I caught that cold. Many of your team up here today uh, have that cold that's going around. And so I know it's a little bit of a weird shaped glass. I'm just going to go ahead and... There we go. Now, that doesn't look very appetizing because there's wax in there. And this isn't really a glass. I just got the best thing that I could show you to demonstrate something that you know, is, is clear and shows where we are. How many of you, if this is a symbol of your soul, and we can look into your soul, how many of you feel like that right now? That's, that's all you got in there. That's all you got in there. Now, this water can represent a lot of things, but this morning it represents our joy. Right? How many of you say put more joy in there? All right, well then let's do that. I, I aim to please. Now, some of you are wondering, what is the gimmick? What's, what's he gonna, some of you were here when I just did this and I just kept pouring over, right? And a lot of you type A people couldn't handle it and you ran out of the room screaming, he's spilling water all over the stage. And we survived. Don't worry, we're not doing that this morning. So you can just relax. And uh, here we go. How's that? about halfway there how many, of you, how many of you are content with halfway raise your hands all right so i got a couple people that are content with halfway does anybody else want me to keep going all right what what should i do fill her up all right you asked for it that's that's full okay so that's full. Look, now instead, where we started here with joy in our life, we had all of this that had to be filled with something. When we filled our, our soul with this much joy, now there's only this much room for other things. Let's, <coughs> excuse me, let's take a deeper look at that. As we get into the narrative this morning, we're going to pick up where the shepherds enter into the scene, verses 15 of chapter 2 uh, through verse 20. Join me if you like. It says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the, the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them what a tremendous story what a tremendous passage 
But what I'd really like you to look at is, as we move through this is that, number one, the, the shepherds left their responsibilities to seek joy. How many of you would have been the shepherd that was like, yeah, let's go, right? Let's just, let's just, how many of you would have been the shepherd that said, oh, wait a minute, we, we have a bunch of sheep. We just can't leave the sheep, right? We all kind of fit somewhere in the narrative. How many of you would have been the shepherd that would say, it's late, I just want to take a nap? Okay, the shepherds shared the message of the angels. What if they had said, well, Bethlehem's pretty far away. It's not convenient. We don't know this Mary and Joseph. They came from out of town. It's kind of weird. It's kind of awkward. By the way, what are they doing in a stable in the first place? I don't really know if we should be talking to people like that. You know, what, what, what do we do with all those things? <coughs> Praise God, they didn't let those problems, those challenges, deny them the joy of the pursuit of Jesus. So they shared the message of the angels. Brothers and sisters, you and I have the message of the angels. And I couldn't be more proud about the fact that we shared that. We proclaimed it. We can't proclaim it any harder than we did over the past two nights. We proclaimed it. But now, now it comes to you. You've heard the message. You know the message. Will you and I proclaim that message like the shepherds did? By the way, shepherds, they're not Mensa material. All right? They're, they're, they're not the brightest of the brightest, right? They'd be a scribe then, not a shepherd. Right? These are blue-collar people. And yet, what did they do? They went into the presence of, of Jesus Christ. The Messiah. And they're sharing this message with a couple outliers and those that are gathered with them. You ever feel disqualified to really talk about Jesus? How do you think a shepherd feels? And yet, out of their joy, they shared. It says, those who heard this marveled at what was stated. What an incredible thought. Imagine Mary and Joseph traveling under scrutiny, being pregnant, being with child, not having a place, having to be in a stable. I love these stories. We have good friends. My family has good friends. We were on staff with down south, uh, the Benells and they became missionaries in Mongolia. And, uh, you know, a lot of people ask them, well, you know, you have small children and you're going to Mongolia? Why would you do that? It's just not very safe. How are you going to take care of your kids? You see, when we give birth, we go and we take tours of the LDR room. And if it's not satisfactory enough, we'll change hospitals, won't we? Think about where they were and what they were doing. What would you be doing? Would you be griping and complaining? Would you be doubting? Really, God? This is your son and this is how we're starting out? Would you start doubting the message? And yet the Lord provided shepherds 
more outliers to come and to proclaim and to give confidence. Think of what this means when it says that they marveled at what was said. This shouldn't have been news. Joseph and Mary have already received angelic messages. But they needed to be filled up again. And the Lord knew it. Some of us, when we deal with the idea of joy, we need to be filled up again. And so I believe there's something beautiful in the fact that God spoke to some outlying shepherds, some strangers in a strange land, sent a message to them to the stable in the midst of the possibilities of Mary and Joseph saying, what have we got ourselves into? And these complete strangers walk up and they say, this is what the angels said. So that all that were there marveled. But what happened with Mary? It says, Mary treasured these things in her heart. She pondered them. She wrestled with them. She, she dove deep with this message. And this idea of treasuring, the, the way that that word translates is she held it close. She held it in that deep space in her soul, right? That area you have to go to when life gets hard. That's what that means, that, that she treasured. There's more going on here where the Father says, you need joy. I know your circumstance is hard, and I'm going to bring it in an unlikely circumstance while others marveled, Mary treasured this with her heart. So what is joy? What is this word joy? Well, if we're going to translate it from the Greek, there's kind of something that's fun. And, and let's see if you think it's fun. I, I think it's fun. You actually say the word in the Greek this way. And you all know that I'm not a big advocate for doing this. But there must be something special about it that I would take the time to, to tell you about the Greek. Because you may actually use it. All right, because that's the fun. That, that's the funny thing I, I love about us, us guys, us, us pastors, that we stand up here and we talk about Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew. Like you're going to use it, right? You just need to know what God's trying to communicate, but it makes us sound real important. I could care less about that part. This is just great, though. I have to share it because I think you're going to use it. Here's the word in the Greek: hurrah, hurrah. There you go, she's got it. Isn't that interesting? That that's the Greek word for, for joy? I think if I got my grammar straight, that's what we call an onomatopoeia. Right? Onomatopoeia is actually Hebrew. Look it up. Uh, that, that was not, it's not really Hebrew. By your stoicism, I understand that you missed my joke there. It's a transitionary moment of humor to move to the next point, which is this. As we're trying to define joy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of the technical. I'm going to get out of the grammatical. And let me, let me give you what I, what I want you to hold on to. I think joy, we often compare to happiness. Let me shift it up for you a little bit. I would define joy as happiness with muscles. All right? I think joy is happiness with muscles because 
When sorrow comes, when difficulty comes, happiness what? It's fleeting. Joy has the strength to stay put if it's true joy. Joy is happiness with muscles. I'll define this with greater magnitude at the end of today's homily. But understand more so what I want you to grab hold of is that joy is a gift from God. So let's move to John 16 and let's give some definition to that and, and why we think that. And, and so if we're trying to figure out what We've been given this gift. Have you ever been given a gift and you're looking at it and you say, what is this? What do I do with this? And uh, sometimes people haven't explained those gifts very well. Well, we want to do a good job of explaining this with joy this morning. So when we look at John 16, 16 through 24, Jesus is with the disciples. It's just prior to him uh, in the Passion Week Uh, going to Jerusalem, going on trial, and being crucified and raising again. And so he has this moment with those whom he loves. And and what happens? Well, let's, let's look very carefully at it. And he goes into a discourse to help them because he loves them. Oh, so, so sad that those fell. He says this, starting in verse 16, A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. Jesus was great at these kind of statements. And so, if you were there, would you be able to figure out what he's talking about? Well, the disciples couldn't, so let's, let's take a peek into what happened based off of that prolific statement. And it says, so some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? What is this? What's he talking about? There goes Jesus again with a Jesusism. Anybody know? Anybody got this one? Speak up. Jesus knows, and he, and he says it again. A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, you will see me. And because I am going to the Father... So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Let's stop there. Joy is relational. If we're trying to figure out what joy is, joy is relational according to Christ. Jesus knows what's about to transpire. It's the reason He came. It's the reason for the Advent. It's the reason the child was there. He has to fulfill the will of the Father. And so He starts to talk to those whom He loves. And He understands that there will be separation. And is the one who is leading them in the relationship that they have developed. It's going to be broken. They will be fearful. They will scatter. It's a little bit later in in this discourse in 16. Jesus understands that joy is highly involved in relationship. So in a moment, we're going to get to the idea of, of sorrow being the juxtaposition of joy. And why is it that we have this struggle. 
One of those reasons is exactly where Jesus is starting. He starts with the relationship and he values the relationship. So on the front end, he's saying to those that he loves and those that love him, he's saying, I'm going to have to leave you. Just for a little while, but I'm going to have to leave you. But I promise you, I'm coming back. I promise you, I'm coming back. <coughs> Joy is battle-tested by sorrow. Joy is battle-tested by sorrow. Where does that fit in? Well, it's right where I stopped. Let's go back to it. Let's look at verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Isn't this fascinating? And what can we learn about the gift of joy with this statement? You're going to weep because I'll be taken from you. Have you ever been in that position? That a relationship was stolen away from you. It was taken away. Why is it this relationship will be broken with the disciples? Because of sin. Because of our sin. And he knows that those who love him, who have been devoted to him, will weep and will lament. But on the back end of this, what is this mysterious thing he's saying? But the world is going to rejoice. Isn't there irony in that? It's not just that the world will be happy that he's gone so that they can continue in their idolatry is that there will be a deep satisfaction. There will be happiness with muscle that he dies. The reality is that Christ came to destroy sin and death. And so those that are operating in the world of sin and death are immediately what? at odds with who Christ is. But the beauty of who Christ is and the beauty of the gift of this joy is exactly what Paul says in Romans 5. That while we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God, while we still were adverse, this world that was going to rejoice that He was going to die and suffer, He chose to die for those people. And the writer of Hebrews says it this way, for the joy set before him there's happiness with muscle that jesus was joyful to suffer in order that we who he describes as those who rejoice in his death that we might have eternal life wow does that speak to your soul i hope it does joy is battle tested by sorrow so he says but your sorrow will turn into joy. Your sorrow will turn into joy. This is one of the, the compound effects of godly joy, brothers and sisters. This is the gift of joy. Is it something that comes from heaven, gives us the substantive ability to rise above those sorrows? Now on this point, let me be very, very clear. Illness. Right? Just has some of my joy stolen. 
broken relationship with others, with the Lord, confidence, depression, anger, materialism, hedonism, secularism. Now there's more room for other things in my soul other than joy. And that was just two sponges. How many sponges are in your life just soaking up all of your joy and stealing it away? Listen carefully to what Jesus is saying. He's saying there will be sorrow. But I'm giving you joy. And I'm giving you an answer to that sorrow. I want to be very, very clear on what I'm saying. There, there is so much that has changed in our civilization, our ecosystem, however you want to describe it. Even in the past 50 years. Does anybody know what the rate for autism is at this point? And the change of that rate over the past 20 years? It's exponential. And we have no answer as to why. And I can just list that. What about the increase in cancer? What about the increase in obesity? What about the increase in depression? So be very aware, there are things that we're doing that I think have something, I, I'm not a scientist, I don't have a degree in science, but I think science is observable. We've got a few scientists in the room, right? But that's what science is, it's the observation of facts. And the facts are, we're seeing a major shift and major change within society. And it is undeniable that some of that is happening because we're doing it to ourselves and there are genetic things that are, are gone askew. So hopefully you hear me clearly on that. Now, let me go a different route. I think that there's a lot of sponges trying to put sorrow into our life. There were only two sponges in the kitchen, so that's all I got. But broken relationships, illness, lack of self-esteem, I'm a horrible mother, I had no dad, I got an F, I don't preach very well. How many of you feel like you got that much joy in your soul? Now, that's pretty pathetic if that's where we stay. But I think what Jesus is saying is that there are things that want to steal your joy away. It is our choice to seek the child and the joy that He can give us. 
And the answer is coming in the next few verses. The choice for you and I is to get the sponges out of our life. Because there are many things that are in our life that we put as choice. When you do that, how much room is there for joy? How much room is there for God to work? But then I can call on the Lord who can soak up my sponges. That wasn't part of the, the illustration, but see how that worked? I didn't have any place for the sponges. I just gave them over to the Lord. We nailed them to the cross, right? And regardless of how many sponges He takes on, He can keep filling us up and filling us up and filling us up with joy. But if I don't have a source like God, if I don't have a source like the Father, and if I don't ask and I don't seek, and I don't put away those sponges, walk away from the sponges that want to take away and steal my joy. And that is exactly what He says. He gives us a promise here, and this is what we need to learn about the beauty of His message to the disciples. He says, our relationship is going to be broken. I'm going to be taken away from you. But I promise you, I'm coming back. So you will weep, you will lament, you will have sorrow for, for a period of time, but I promise you, I'm coming back. And if there's an aspect of that that we can, we can look to, we can draw upon, it's simply this. Can I hold on to the promises of God? Can I hold on to the promises of God? Look at what he says. Your sorrow will turn into joy. And then he uses an illustration. And this is why we started in Luke 2. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. Now wait a minute. If you've ever worked in an ER or a labor, birth, and delivery, right? I look over here, Holly's over here, she's a nurse. You know, and, and there's others of you that have been nurses, and, and uh, Elsie was a nurse, and, and there's so many people that are in the medical field, and, and how many people are just like, like so excited? My wife, on her second birth with Jericho, was so excited about being in there for that, that time, uh, right? That, that hour of, of great joy, right? She was so excited, she stood up on the bed and screamed like it was the movie The Exorcist. I kid you not, I had to talk her back down into the bed. She almost pulled all of her wires out. And it's like, hmm, going to do this without any pain meds. Good for you, good for you. And that's why Jericho's the way she is. And just being so feisty all the time. She started out feisty. In that moment, you don't... There's part that you look forward to because it's the end, right? It's getting to the other side. There's a reason Jesus lists this. But look at where he goes. He says, So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. And here it is. And no one will take your joy from you. This is possible. This is possible. The question is, how many sponges are you going to allow in your life to soak up your joy? If you have allowed those sponges, I encourage you, dump the sponges and ask God the Father to fill your joy back up. Because He will. 
You just have to ask, how do I know that? Because there's more to the text. He doesn't just say this as a prolific statement. It's not anecdotal. He follows it up. He backs it up, right? Here's the happiness with muscle. Verse 23, In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be what? Full! Full. Ask that your joy may be full. There's a reason he lists the Holy Family. It's that no one will steal your joy. You need to ask in the name of Jesus. Because as, as Jesus says these words, I know what the tendency is. is Wait! I was asking for this and it didn't. I was asking for that and it didn't happen. I was asking, and that's good. Because a lot of times we ask for bad stuff. But I asked in Jesus' name this week that He would move beyond my weaknesses. He would move beyond our weaknesses. And I had a huge sponge yesterday. We had a tremendous live-action nativity Friday night. We had a tremendous concert here and everything was great. And you would think that Pastor Jeremy would be rejoicing, right? My joy would be full. It was 10 o'clock Friday night. And then here comes this big sponge of doubt. Dips into my soul. And I actually said it to two or three people yesterday. I don't think anybody's coming. I don't think anybody's coming. And you know why I said those things? Because there were challenges that we didn't face last year. I feel like it was better this year, but there were challenges because this is worth something. If it's, if it's going to have a spiritual impact, there's going to be challenges. And just like Peter, I started looking at the waves instead of looking at Christ. And in the middle of that conversation with myself, I knew the right thing to do, and I'd, I'd had, you know, you just knock it off, you got to stop looking, you got to, but it's still that sponge just kept going deeper and deeper. And I gathered everybody together by the petting zoo that didn't exist last night. And I said, it's time for us to start. And I think I said something like, and so we, if we even have like three people for the second show, we'll do it. And people were excited. I confess to you, I had doubts. But walking from the edge of the fireside room out to where I had to put my little miner's light on, I looked up and I saw a moon. And I was reminded we were supposed to have rain. And I was reminded I asked that the Lord would not let it rain. I asked in Jesus' name. And He provided. And then I thought about that moon being over Bethlehem when Mary must have asked for protection when Mary must have asked for a healthy birth, when Joseph must have felt inadequate to provide for his family, under that same moon, they would have prayed. And God fulfilled. 
And by the time I got to the tech desk, I confessed and I said, God, I was so wrong. You do what you want to do. And my joy was restored. And when I came out after the first show to engage with the audience, I was shocked. First of all, 60 to 70 people, I think, was what I was told were there. When I looked at all the people, I recognized maybe 10. We do the live-action nativity so that the church body can come together and can have great joy and we can serve together. That's one major component and that brought so much joy to me to see all of you come together in unity. But we also do it to proclaim the true reason for Christmas. And when I saw my neighbors who walked from my court and they walked with flashlights and here comes eight people from my neighborhood and they're there and some of Janine's sewing students are there, and some of the people you invited are there. An Orthodox, Eastern Orthodox priest was there. A bunch of uh, Arabic people nobody knew were there. And on and on it goes. And my joy is overflowing. And I just... The beauty of going to God in confession is understanding the futility of who we are. And just knowing He's got to just laugh at us, right? Like, he, like we do with our kids. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Try that. You know. We'll be right back here in 10 minutes or 10 seconds. And that's what I thought. And, and, and so we're getting ready to start and... Uh, just like, man, I hope I didn't discourage everybody. So I just, I was telling people over the radio, hey, everybody, just have, have a great time. Just embrace this story. Live it out. Be joyful. So I decided to crack a joke, which is never a good thing. <laughs> you know, when, when I'm just like that, right? That sometimes it's funny. But if I try, it isn't funny. But it just, was, it just showed the tension that I was throwing on other... I was other people's sponge. And so I turned to my radio and I said this joke, and I just made it up, right? And, and I said, uh, oh yeah, news is Santa landed on the South Pole, unfortunately. So everybody's waiting. And I said, yeah, so now he's bipolar. And my whole tech team is like chuckling, like they're bouncing in their seats. I'm like, all right, that's where we needed to get to, right? We needed to breathe. We needed to relax. And thank you, God, because I've never heard that joke before. You guys can use it if you want. It's, it's the Lord's joke. In finishing up this morning, my joy is full. Not because of something I accomplished. No, because the Lord asked us to move in a direction I couldn't accomplish. It required all of us. And the message of the gospel went out to so many people. And yet there was a love and there was a joy amongst our people this weekend that was tremendous. Right? Some of you told me Friday night, my mom's here, let me introduce you. My co-worker's here, let me introduce you. 
phenomenal. Joy. Let me just share with you, you know it when you see it. You know it when you see it. It's infectious. It's responsive, not reactive. It reaches the soul. Happiness reaches the mind. It is a gift from God, a reward of devotion, not a fleeting emotion. We need to ask ourselves, is our joy full? It changes the scenery. It battles most effectively against sorrow. It is the first target of the enemy. Ask yourself, is your joy full? It rules relationship, ruins wrath, and results in rest. It doesn't plod. It dances without apology. It is contagious, courageous, and dangerous. It destroys conflict. It defies correction. It dictates celebration. It is the desire of Jesus. It is a result of His doing. It is the heavenly end game. Ask yourself, is your joy full? It is dressed in the miraculous, developed from the fabulous, and defined with the marvelous. The Father sent it, the Son intended it, and the Spirit rendered it. Ask yourself, is your joy full? This morning I want to show you why my joy is full today. These are just some pictures from the weekend. There's nothing about this that on the front side I think anybody would ever want to do. You want me to go out, you want me to dress in towels and bathrobes or a bunch of shiny, blingy material, and you want me to wave things and do all this and do all that and do the other. And I got to know when to go, I got to know not, not when to go, and there's donkeys that are stubborn and peeing all over the place. <laughs> Right? There's all, and you want me to do what? And yet, it was done with joy. How do I know it was done with joy? Let me show you something. This was last night. And there were several little angels from our church that were sad that they couldn't be part of the angels. Pastor Jeremy was their sponge. <laughs> Safety was their sponge. But Melody worked with old curmudgeon Pastor Jeremy, and we figured out something, and I want you to see the personification of joy. <laughs> There's a reason I chose red ink. <laughs> It's just joyful. And there's a message that came from the angels that Mary and Joseph, who had sponges trying to take their joy away, God said, fine, I'm going to send you a message. If this picture doesn't give you full joy, I don't know what does. How can we do that? How can we make something like that happen? And that was nothing in comparison to what those shepherds dealt with. And yet, 
the message goes out against all odds. And brothers and sisters, hear Jesus clearly. There will be times of sorrow. But do not let it steal your joy is what Jesus says. You get back to looking at me. You get back to understanding my promise to bring you joy. This is the gift of joy. Amen? Amen. Maybe the best sermon I ever preached. See, that's how you deal with sponges. I want to have just a time of prayerful response. And we're going to give you a time during the ministry moment coming up after meet and greet just to share your stories about where you saw joy during our event. And right after the lighting of the Advent candle, we'll give you opportunity just to share real quickly what was some of the things that happened this weekend or maybe outside of these events that are adding to your joy, that you see this promise of joy from Christ filling you up. We're going to have a time for that. But I would love for us just to have a time of focused prayer. So let's take our souls and go before the Lord in this area. And let's go to Him and ask Him to take those sponges out of our life, right? And that we would ask Him to fill us again with joy. Let's go before Him. Father, speak mightily. Let the words of Your Son be etched on our heart. We do rejoice for all that You have done and all that You continue to do. We rejoice that this promise is given to us by Your Son that we need to just ask You, but ask in Jesus' name. And by asking in the name of Your Son, Lord, we, in our growth, in our understanding, and in our relationship with Your Son, it helps dictate what we ask for. Let us not ask for sponges. Let us ask that we would be filled with the truth and the Spirit that You provide. Let us know that joyful state. To You be all glory, Father. Amen.